Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Preet Barora is the former district attorney for the Southern District of New York and the unofficial AG of Twitter, the host of the podcast, Stay Tuned, and author of the book, Doing Justice. So what did you um, think of that debate last night, the sort of only normal presidential debate? Well, normal is relative term. I thought right. as a comparative matter, compared to the first debate, <laughs> it was relatively normal. And the person I credit most for that, as I think a lot of people do, was Kristen Welker. Yeah. And I remember in the lead up this week, I was saying to people, how much does it suck to be Kristen Welker, yeah. who is a very good journalist and has seen what's happened to other good journalists, including Chris Wallace, who I think is a very good journalist and generally a very good interviewer and a very good debate moderator. And you see the corpses of these previously <laughs> highly respected folks on the side of the road. And on top of that, you have the guy with the biggest bullhorn in the world, in the history of the world also, saying you're terrible and attacking you in advance. I'm talking about Donald Trump, in case you're... Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you just go, you go into this event, you go into this event, and I'll tell you, I have learned over time, I've been in dicey situations myself, to always look calm and always look confident, even if you're not on the inside. But she came out on that stage and she just gave the introduction, and I was texting some friends of mine and, and, and mutual friends of hers and mine, saying she looks so supremely confident and ready. It, it was kind of stunning to me. And then she continued in that vein. I mean, I think it got a little bit dicier towards the end, but my reaction to the debate was, was A, she did a great job that I think what had become in my mind a complete lack of faith that anything useful could happen in the debate has been assuaged, that Donald Trump didn't do anything particularly uh, good or bad. Joe Biden, I thought, put to rest you know, some doubts about that people were trying to sow, I think, illegitimately about his mental acuity. And then nothing changed. And don't you agree? Nothing changed? I mean, he seems crazier to me when he pretends to be normal. Um, <laughs> like, right, because at least when he pretends to be normal, you think like, wait, he's saying this strange stuff, but he looks like he's at least he's not, you know, running around the stage trying to beat somebody up. Um, my, uh, his, he's, not trying, he's not running around the stage trying to tuck in his pants. He's not Rudy Giuliani-ing it, right? I mean, Borat <laughs> has not much dialing anybody right. from, from, from the stage. One of the sort of famous things you've said is that the best thing you ever did was not calling Trump back. To yes. Can you time travel with me back to 2016 and talk a little bit about that? Yeah. By the way, the other time travel, just for the, for the sake of, I don't know if you tell people when you record these things, we're recording this on Friday, October 23rd, and I'll get to your question in a second, but this is the crazy anniversary. It, it was exactly at this point, almost this hour, I think, when the deputy U.S. attorney, when I was in office, walked into my office and said, you're not going to believe this, but Jim Comey just sent this letter. Oh, yes, it's today. The laptop. It's today. This yeah. is the point in time in in relation to the timing of the Tuesday election when that letter came out. So all day, let's make sure there's no crazy letter that alters the uh, the trajectory of the election. Yeah, look, so... I have to say, just back to that letter for one second, yeah. I, I think that that was the single largest element in the defeat of Hillary Clinton. I think that's right. And I think, you know, one of the mistakes made was people, for this, I mean, I mean, Jim, and I respect him, and he was my boss, and he was a terrific boss as U.S. attorney, is understanding how that letter was going to be weaponized in a way that would distort 
what was really happening and ultimately distort what should have happened in connection with people voting and the timing of it and all of that was was very unfortunate. Yeah. So uh, on, with respect to, I was asked to stay on, which was not something I expected when Trump won as U.S. attorney in the Southern District. Uh, and then he asked to meet with me um, in connection <laughs> with asking me to stay on. And I went and I met with, um, <laughs> when, so when I tell the story before live audiences, which will apparently never happen again, and I say who kept me company until President-elect Trump walked in the room, I say, I say Jared Kushner and people boo. And then I say <laughs> Steve Bannon and they boo even harder. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Trump was perfectly um, fine, <clears throat> was perfectly fine, didn't say anything inappropriate at that meeting, asked me to stay, complimented me, complimented SDNY. And then he, he pushed across his desk a, a yellow pad, a, you know, post-it pad and asked me for my for my phone numbers. I'm like, why is the president-elect asking me for my digits? <laughs> like, Take you furniture shopping? Yeah. <laughs> he's going to call me. He's going to call me up one night like, you know, what are you wearing? What, what's going on? <laughs> like, he clearly wanted to have, you know, a relationship with me, as we've discovered after he became president that he wanted with lots of people. He never said anything directly nefarious to me, but it's, there's no question in my mind that I was a person he did not know that he thought he could have some kind of direct relationship with, you know, outside of the attorney general being the loop, outside of the deputy attorney general being the loop, because he called me twice before the inauguration, which was very weird. And I reported to the head of transition and I made a note of it and I made sure there were witnesses who knew about the call. And I assumed when he became president, he would be too busy to bother me anymore. Uh, and then on, I guess it was March 9th. So a few weeks after he got inaugurated. You know, at, th at that point, I didn't know about how much executive time he had, he had on the calendar. <laughs> and he, me, <clears throat> he called me on March 9th and left him, and his secretary at the White House left a message. So I didn't pick up the phone when, when the call came in. And then I thought that this is a crisis moment. And some people don't really get that. They think, well, you're only in office because of him. You serve at his pleasure. He's technically your boss. What do you mean you return the call? You wouldn't do that if you worked at AT&T. You wouldn't do that if you worked at, you know, uh, NYU Law School, where I do. If the dean calls, I'm calling him back. This is different. <laughs> because th th there's no legit reason that I could think of why he would be calling without going to the attorney general or without there being a heads up or without a, um, you know, some notice about what the topic was. There are actually guidelines and rules that are very, very important that prevent communications about law enforcement matters between people the White House and people in the Justice Department, except at the very, very, very highest levels. And, you know, I'm pretty high level, but, you know, I was not the attorney general at the time. And do I know that he's not going to ask me about an enforcement matter? And we had very many that probably he was interested in, including still an open investigation on Mayor de Blasio mm -hmm. in New York. And then I remembered, so what if he does say something that he's not supposed to say? Am I going to trust? And this, by the way, now we know this to be true, but this is a prediction on my part. Can I trust him to say the truth about whatever that conversation was? What if he does cross mm -hmm. the line? Like now I'm going to be in the position of, with no witnesses, to report the president for violating some rule that doesn't sound like you know a, a great position to be in and then i remembered the, tar the famous tarmac incident with loretta lynch right, right. Oh, and, yeah. and president bill former president Clinton gets on the plane and i seem to remember somebody making more hay of that than anyone else <laughs> was, was donald j trump who every, every big rally four years ago leading up to the election he said that private meeting by the way between an ex-president and the attorney general right it wasn't even the person who might have been subject to 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 a prosecution uh just the husband of such a person even though they had a pre-existing relationship and she served as his u.s attorney you know years years earlier he made such hay of that this is kind of like that you know you have ongoing investigations you know the, the emoluments clause case had already been filed i believe in the 
the Southern District of New York. And there's all sorts of discussion about what things should or should not be investigated. And all of a sudden, there's going to be a behind the scenes phone call, contrary to all precedent, between the President of the United States and the, the sitting United States attorney, who, by the way, went to Trump Tower to meet with him. What kind of deal was made? What kind of understandings right. were had? What kind of loyalty was requested? And you know what? At the end of the day, I thought we, we thought very briefly. People gasp when I say this, when I used to say it a while ago. Now they don't you know, react as strongly. We thought for a minute about recording the phone call. But then I thought, you know what? <clears throat> That's a little bit farther than I want to go. And then I called the chief of staff to the attorney general sessions at the time and said, the president has called me. He's called me before. I don't know what it's about. He clearly didn't know what it was about. So he, he was bypassing the attorney general in his office. And I said, do you agree with me that I should not return the call unless I know what it's about? He said, yes. So I called the secretary back and I said, I'm, I don't mean to be difficult or disrespectful, but I've consulted with the attorney general's office because we don't know the nature of the call. Everyone's view is it is best for the president and me not to speak at this time. Right knowing that he was going to get pissed off about that <laughs> and be unhappy about that. I can't prove for a fact that these things are related, but the next afternoon I was asked for my resignation. To your, and then I didn't resign for a variety of reasons right. that I've talked about before. But when I think back on it, you know, it was the best job I ever had, the best job I will ever have. And I don't mean to, to get on, on a soapbox or on a high horse or anything, but you know, it, is, it is a good thing for public servants not to so badly cling to their job, like Rod Rosenstein, right. who we were discussing right. briefly before we started taping, that, you're, that, you, that you won't do the right thing. Exactly. And I didn't know that that would cause me to be terminated, but I knew it was going to cause some discontent. But it was the right thing to do, not, not just for me, by the way, like the other person who was being saved by my um, refusal to, to, to have the conversation was the president himself. Yeah. Who's the person who looked bad in, in, the, in the tarmac incident? It was not just Loretta Lynch. It was also Bill Clinton. Like, what was he thinking yeah. while that investigation over Hillary Clinton was still going on. So yeah. good thing I did. Um, I don't regret it for a second. So wh while you keep saying that, you know, this is the best job you may have, some people have been saying you might be AG. Should Biden pardon Trump's for his countless crimes if you were AG? I mean, there's a lot of, you, you built in a lot of hypotheticals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, I know, I know. Nice, nice try. It was, it was really, it was really good. Try. Actually, it wasn't that good a try. It's kind of. It wasn't. It wasn't, it was it wasn't so subtle. Lame. So when you're AG, what do you plan to do? <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice try. Um, at, at this moment, I believe I'm just the AG of Twitter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do you think about though how, what it would Biden, look? So on your substantive question, mm -hmm. I, I, I believe there was a debate in the primaries where the candidates were asked, would they consider pardoning Trump? And I think they all said no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that question has been answered already. Like, there's so much malfeasance. That's the thing I'm struck by. Do you see a, like, do you see a legal precedent for that? Um, I don't know if I see a legal precedent or a historical precedent. I think there is, um, there is a lot of feeling that is legitimate that there should be accountability for people, <clears throat> that there should be accountability for people who violated their oaths or engaged in misconduct, even if it falls short of being criminal, although there may be criminal conduct as well. There's also a feeling on the part of some folks that, you know, how much do you want to get bogged down in that? Right. Particularly within the Justice Department. Um, I had on my own podcast on Stay Tuned last week. I had people who I know you know, Bob Bauer, former Democratic White House counsel, and Jack Goldsmith, former Republican appointee to the head of the Office of Legal Counsel, who've written a book about what post-Trump reform should look like, mm. on which they agree with respect to everything but this point. And Jack Goldsmith, who represents a particular point of view, takes the position that, look, we, we can't get bogged down if there are particular crimes they should be looked at, but it's going <clears> to <throat> take the country through a lot of, I think, difficult times. His view is, you know, the country should, should look forward. Bob Bauer has a different view and re represents you know, a large portion of, I think, reasonably thoughtful people that 
you can't just do that. You know, there, there has to be some excavation and also some accountability for yeah. all sorts of things. I, I have the, you know, the, the way I kind of look at it is I'm not sure there's going to be any choice mm. because I think that at the conclusion, <clears throat> if Trump loses, at the conclusion of this administration, there's all the things we know about, right? The crimes that were laid out in volume mm -hmm. two of the Mueller report, things that were relating to impeachment as well. But my, my guess is there's going to be a cascade of people who will either through books are going to write for a lot of money Right. Or just otherwise, as good citizens, blow the whistle on all sorts of things, whether it's childhood, child separation or, or other yeah. um, matters that we don't know about yet. I also think that the potential for bad conduct and bad activity during the transition, oh, yeah. if Trump definitively loses, is going to be very high. And it's going to be very, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult for either Congress or I think some prosecution authorities to ignore what could very well be, you know, an avalanche of revelations after J January 20th about the conduct of this president and people in this administration. And you're going to have no choice but to address it. So you, when you were fired, it was unprecedented that 45 of your peers and you were asked for resignations. Should that precedent be retaliated against? Um, I know a lot of people don't like the norm breaking of Trump and don't like the idea of Biden doing that. But it seems like there's also been a lot of people installed that are not going to be good actors within the U.S. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, there's something I've really been needing to get off of my chest lately, which is that everyone and their mother should listen to the Andre 3000 album because it lifts my spirits on a regular basis, 1000%. We all carry around different problems, big and small. And let's be honest, when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. That's where therapy comes in. It's like this safe space where you can unload all those burdens and start figuring out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy can make a difference. I know this from firsthand experience, and it's not just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for anyone who wants to improve their mental well-being. Therapy can help you learn coping skills. It can teach you how to set better boundaries, and it can make you be a better version of yourself. If you're considering therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online, which means it's convenient, flexible, and fits into your schedule seamlessly. Plus, getting started is as easy as filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And the best part, you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. So why wait? Take that first step towards a happier, healthier you with BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash The New Abnormal today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash the new abnormal.
permanent. Look, I think it's on a case by case basis. What you know, people will hear your question and they'll say, "Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute." Bill Clinton fired all 93 U.S. attorneys when he came in, and that's not exactly true. Mm-hmm. It is the case that when every president comes in, that over some period of time, <clears throat> so there's natural, um, you know, continuity and and ability for offices to continue their work without interruption. You know, with some transition period, that virtually all the U.S. attorneys under any pre- appointed by any president leave right. uh, in the early phase of the next presidency. I mean, that was true when Obama became president. When when I came in in 2009, in August of 2009, one of the, I was one of the first five to be appointed. There were a whole bunch of uh, Bush holdover U.S. attorneys, and it was everyone's understanding that they would go. They were not asked to all pack up their bags and leave by 5 p.m. that day because there was a freak out about the deep state because deep state right. then and, you know, wants to remake the entire Justice Department in the image of the president and have pliable people in all the important spots. But yeah, it, I, it is perfectly appropriate for a president to come in and say, yeah, you know, reasonable transition period. We're going to be, you know, coming up with permanent replacements. By the way, th- there still has not been I'm gone three and a half years. There still has not been a Senate-confirmed United States attorney in that spot, yeah. mm. which has costs. So, you know, my view would be if a new administration comes in, you look at all 93 districts, you, you move with speed to have permanent appointees in the Eastern District and Southern District, among other places, where there is not a permanent appointee. Or if you think they're doing a good job, you leave them in. And in places where there you know, is a, is a need for some continuity because some, you know, massive things are being dealt with. You give people a bit more time and, and people should on their own terms, uh, you know, be given some some latitude, you know, to leave. If you also, on the other hand, think that people have not been, you know, doing their job independently and are being overly political, if you make an honest assessment of that, then maybe you remove those people right away. But, but this idea that you come in and you say all 93 pack up your bags. And at the time, you know, in March, this was, it was, it was only 45 because people had already started to leave because that's the tradition, <clears throat> to tell, tell everyone to leave by 5 p.m. seems to be a mistake. So one of the things you brought up, though, was that Trump may have an interest in Bill de Blasio's uh, case with you. Wh- why do you think that case wasn't pursued? Well, <laughs> another nice try. And, you know, we, we put out a statement. My successor put out a statement a week after I left office as to, um, without a lot of detail, you, you can only bring cases when you have the facts and the law on your side. <clears throat> we did a careful and thorough investigation. And unlike some other people who have gotten in trouble for this, and as I write about in my book, Doing Justice, if I may plug it, when you walk away from a case, when you bring a case against somebody, the public has a full and fair opportunity to assess the quality of the case, to assess the quality of the evidence, the fairness of the proceedings. There's a judge, there's a defense lawyer, there's vigorous you know, debate and adversarial process with respect to charges that are brought publicly. The ethical conundrum, and this is an, is an actual response to your question, when you when it's known that you've been doing an investigation of somebody or some entity, but you don't bring charges, what do you do? It's kind of difficult to assess the quality of the decision to walk away. That's true in all things in life, right? Mm-hmm. If you take a job, you can say, well, this job was a mistake because I've been demoted and I'm not developing my skills. It's very hard to assess the decision not to take a particular job because you didn't take the job. And so it's a counterfactual. <clears throat> It's a counterfactual. So, so I understand the impulse, and I understand the impulse Jim Comey had with respect to the Hillary Clinton investigation, because you get questions like this. Mm-hmm. Well, why didn't you pursue that case? And it can be tempting to answer the question, but it works a, a, you know, a pretty fundamental unfairness to the person who was never charged for the prosecutor right. to both not bring the charge, not have the person have their day in court, but then malign them you know, with all sorts of evidence that you didn't feel confident enough to talk about in court. So right. for all of the foregoing reasons, <laughs> I refer you to the statement of the Southern District of New York. I mean, like my husband husband loves to say, and I'm married to a very smart academic, that Trump is going to go to jail. And I'm like, we don't jail our presidents. There's no precedence for that. We don't do that. But I'm just curious to know what you think, like what are reasonable 
things that should happen. So, you know, I could go on for a long time about specific reforms. There are various people, the book I mentioned by Jack Goldsmith and Bob Bauer, I, I work with the Brennan Center and co-chair a task force with former Republican Governor Chrissy Ty Whitman. We put out two reports on various ways we can protect the independence of the Department of Justice, of inspectors general, expertise, science, strengthen the nepotism laws, figure out ways to rein in or at least have more transparency about the pardon power. So there's a million policy prescriptions that right. one could talk about. And I think those are all important. I think what people forget and, and an element that's the main theme of my book, you know, policies and regulations and statutes are not sufficient. All these ways in which people like you and I think that President Trump misbehaved, trampled norms, etc. Very few laws, regulations and rules were changed. For the most part, all the things written in those books were true under Obama and were true under Trump. Mm -hmm. The difference is, and so yes, you should improve upon them and have more you know, checks and balances and Congress should be more vigorous and rigorous also. But the difference was in the Trump administration, starting with Donald Trump, people didn't care about those rules. You know, we have right. a Hatch Act, right. you know, no, no political activity by certain people in the government. They don't give a damn about that. They're violating um, the Hatch Act over and over and over again and there's no the, enforcement. I often wonder, if they were they were sort of failures, legislative failures after Nixon to kind of there's so much of this that's written, you know, for a certain kind of genteel president. Do you think it might be time to go back and sort of fix these loopholes? And do you think that could happen? Yeah, I think some of them. I think there should be more protection for inspectors general, for example. There's there's a bill that proposes that that most of them, if not all of them, not be able to be fired except for cause. But the end of the day, on some of these things, you know, democracy has to work. People have to put in, you know, someone who is of good character and believes in ethics. I'll give you an example um, of something that people ask about. It, it is pretty much universally understood that if Donald Trump applied, given his background and given his financial dealings and given his history of lawsuits and everything else and, you know, prevarications, if Donald Trump applied for security clearance as an FBI agent or as an assistant U.S. attorney or as someone else at the Justice Department or the National Security Council, you name it, right. he would never receive it. Mm. He would never receive it. And people will ask the question, well, that doesn't seem to make any sense. So why does he get one now? If no ordinary, no regular person for any one of those, you know, line career jobs would get a security clearance with that guy's baggage. And the answer to the question is, yeah, but he got elected president. And whether you like it or not, whether you agree with his judgment or not, you cannot have it. You can't close that loop, that particular loophole, such that the sitting commander in chief, however you might disdain him, doesn't have the ability to know all the intelligence that will help to protect the homeland. It also happens to be the case that by definition, the president is a classifying authority. Right? He's right. the president. So right. That's just, a, I use it as a stark example of a kind of thing that is not fixable. There's no rule that I can think of that fixes this problem. If you have a president who's, who's an idiot when it comes to national security and decides in the Oval Office, you know, to tell secret information to visiting Russians. There's, what, what rule is going to prevent that? You have these other checks. You have the 25th Amendment. You have impeachment. Those are very, very difficult. They're blunt instruments that tend to fail. But you, you cannot micromanage every aspect of how a president conducts himself or herself in office. There are some things you can do. And you can make sure that you, you strengthen the nepotism laws. And we did that after after Robert Kennedy served as attorney general. Right. But you know what? You know, there was an interpretation that was made that if you don't pay and it's not a cabinet official and it's someone who works in the White house that there's an argument that that that's a loophole through which you can put jared kushner and of and ivanka trump and so things like that can be changed but it is always going to be true i don't mean to be negative right. it is always going to be true no matter what statutes and laws you pass 
that a corrupt, bad-faith president who somehow rides a wave of popularity to the White House is going to be able to figure out ways to get around it. That's just the nature of the presidency. Um, this was so helpful. Preet, thank you yeah. so much for joining Clearly. us. This is amazing. I- On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.